Hey, everybody, when you hear that music, you know it's time for On the Letter Side of Baseball. And in just a few moments, we will be joined by none other than the voice of the Milwaukee Brewers, pregame, postgame, and soon to be going back again for another year with the tremendous Milwaukee Bucks basketball team doing the pregame and postgame. So we are looking forward to that. We're looking forward to talking about the playoffs that start on Friday tomorrow. And uh, the wild card, which is on a new format. The new format has um, two teams in each league getting a bye. That would be the Dodgers and the Braves in the National League. And the Yankees get a bye along with the Astros. And the other teams battle it out without uh, travel. So the Cardinals will be hosting a three-game series against the Phillies. That should be pretty interesting. Both teams have pretty good pitching. And uh, right now I'm going to give the odds, uh, the edge to uh, the Cardinals, but you never know, man. I mean, it's pretty interesting how this is all going to hand, how this is all going to come out. And uh, so we got the Cardinals uh, hosting. We've got the uh, other teams that are hosting. We will go over here pretty quickly and uh, let you know where we stand with everything. But I'm excited. Finally, this, miserable baseball season from a Cubs standpoint is uh, over with. Oh my God. Uh, had a friend that took the over on uh, winning 73 games for the Chicago Cubs. I won 74 and I don't know what he netted, but um, it's amazing how Vegas can get that right. Uh, unfortunately uh, for Vegas, this guy picked the uh, over and uh, the Cubs won 74 games. Amazingly, one of the hot teams uh, in the major leagues after the all-star break was the Chicago Cubs. So, you know, pretty interesting. The, um, the other teams hosting those games, uh, in the wild card in the national league will be the, uh, New York Mets hosting the Padres. That's a great series in the American league, the blue Jays and the Mariners, two teams that haven't been in the playoffs for a long time playing each other. And then the Indians and Tampa Bay. Interestingly, the Indians' payroll is one of the smallest in baseball. Uh, we'll go back to my theory that if you are in the top 10 uh, salaries, you have a 70% chance of getting into the playoffs, and that's exactly what happened this year. The uh, Mets, number one. The Dodgers, number two. The Yankees, number three. Phillies, yeah, the Phillies, you hear me right. Fourth highest payroll. San Diego had the fifth highest payroll. Houston had the ninth highest payroll. And so there you go. There's one, two, three, four, five, six teams in the top 10. Uh, that's 70% by my math, because you have to add in there the um, Braves. They make up seven. My percentage is intact. Again, my predictions are right on with respect to if you are in the top 10, you got a 70% chance of getting in the playoffs. That's pretty good. Who didn't get in the playoffs from that top 10? Well, right off without even looking, uh, you know that the Boston Red Sox laid an egg. The California Angels of uh, Anaheim or wherever the hell they are laid an egg. And um, the uh, the other team that didn't get in, uh, boy, the Cubs and the, and the Giants bad. So the Cubs, you know, they're getting all this money from gambling. They're getting all the money from Marquee Sports Network. Ricketts owns uh, Lakeview 
and everything around Wrigleyville. And so for two years, they've been promising to pump, pump things up. Now, David Ross, who's a good manager, uh, indicated that he's kind of pissed off that he's not in the playoffs. And so I don't think the Ricketts family is going to be able to dodge the playoffs uh, like they have the last few years since they had their big sell-off. Uh, so that's bad. Uh, Chicago sports, bad, you know, bad, bad, bad. The Blackhawks suck. The Bears, oh, my God, the Bears, Justin Field. But let's talk about the team on the south side of Chicago for a minute while we're waiting for Craig Kishan. The Chicago White Sox were picked to go to the World Series. They laid an egg, and you can thank Jerry Reinsdorf and Tony LaRusso. I love Reinsdorf, hate LaRusso. But... You know, hate's a strong word. I, I dislike Tony. He fired Nelly. That's it. You know, if he hadn't fired Nelly, I wouldn't mind him. I mean, I think he's made a lot out of a small amount of intellectual capacity. I don't think he's really got that much uh, baseball sense. He had uh, Dave Duncan kind of clearing the way in St. Louis. He's always had a pretty good bench. With the White Sox, he had none other than Jim Leland uh, and Bobby Winkles and um, George Brett's batting coach, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to fail with a coaching staff like that, and especially when you have Dave Nelson coaching first on the base runners, and they had some great runners in uh, 1983. That was a great team. So the White Sox were one of the big disappointments, and, and I don't know if you can put your finger on why they're so bad, but if I were to start, it would be the – uh, training staff laid an egg. You had a bunch of guys that got their pay in advance. Luis Robert for one, Moncado for another, I think. Giolito just went in the tank. They got rid of um, uh, Rondon, one of the best pitchers in baseball. They, uh, you know, they basically robbed the Cubs of pitching for Quintana. They got Dylan Cease, and then they got Eloy Jimenez. So these guys, it's a rare breed of guy that gets paid and then still produces. And I'm saying that the White Sox guys didn't really care. I mean, that's a sad statement. They didn't have anybody that could fire up the masses. So basically, there's three demographics on most baseball teams and four if you count Asia but you've got a Latin group you have an African-American group and then you've got a Caucasian group and I am not making any racial stereotypical statements I'm just saying you need to bridge the gap from a leadership standpoint of all those groups and I think Abreu tried to do that but I'm not sure how successful he was. Um, you had Lance Lynn, who tried to bridge that gap, but he had a horrible season, especially when it counted from April to July. And then, of course, um, you had nobody that was really rounding up the leadership role after that. You know, there weren't coaches. Uh, it wasn't Luis Robert. It wasn't Tim Anderson. There seemed to be a rift between Anderson and the Latinos. I'm guessing, man. I mean, I wasn't there. I don't know. All I'm saying is they all laid a collective egg. And 
uh, I guess you fault the manager, but in reality, the training staff, they have more guys on the disabled list uh, than most teams. And um, in addition to that, they just, boy, they're just, they're just bad. Kind of a bad team, but they, they drew okay. They did not outdraw the Cubs, which is kind of comical. Uh, but, you know, they just didn't have the same kind of um, fan appeal as, as the lowly, crummy Cubbies. And so that was kind of funny. Um, not funny if I've got a lot of White Sox fans, and they didn't think it was so funny. But uh, I did. I thought it was funny. Because as they were still in the pennant race, they just weren't drawing. They just weren't drawing. For example, the Cubs drew 2,616,000 total. The White Sox drew 1,976,000 total. At, um, that was at home. Overall, overall, the Cubs drew an average of 30,000 people total. The White Sox drew an average of 23,000, that's 7,000 per game. It's a big difference. Now, why? South side of Chicago, not a great place to go. I disagree with that. I think it's a great place to go. And, um, you know, I just think traditionally the Cubs, for some reason, people like to go out to the game. They like to go out to Wrigley. And uh, Wrigley's become a joke. I mean, it really, I, I'm not quite sure why Wrigley is like Disneyland, but it is. So, you know, that's kind of my overview. I'm just happy. I'm going to talk to Craig about the new rules, talk to Craig about the playoffs, and uh, get his feelings about looking back on Brewers baseball. So uh, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will have uh, our good friend Craig Kishon. We're back on the uh, podcast on the letter side of baseball brought to you by Craig Kishan. Yeah, well, maybe not brought to you, but our co-host is back. He's been put back in the saddle. Craig is fresh off of watching the Brewers lose their last game last night, yesterday afternoon. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. And, and no, I am not paying for this. I'm not being your sponsor. Well, I think we can say Brian Ward and Ward's House of Prime. I think they comped us uh, three shrimp and two of whatever appetizer you got. That was a weird appetizer. What was that? Do you remember? That was th those are um, uh, bacon wrapped, um, bacon wrapped like beef. medallions, like uh, like tenderloin. Yeah, I got to tell you, we'd have been better off going with the shrimp cocktail. Dude, that that's my favorite. I I eat I anything figured. wrapped in bacon. Bacon. I, I figured you. We sat down, had a drink, and then you were ordering these bacon wrapped. Now, bacon wrapped shrimp is good if you go to JJ's in Kansas City, probably the best ever. I wasn't a fan, man. I mean, I was a fan of everything else we ate, and we ate a lot. A little horseradish on the side? You're not going to sell me on it, dude. I'm just telling you. Come on, you. man. A little dry, a little bit. 
undercooked bacon, but the uh, the rest of the meal. And by the way, Brian listens to all these, so you just keep talking. I love Brian. I tell you what, <laughs> I'm going to try to get him as a sponsor next year. And yeah, we'll be back for. A, I was a little bit hesitant on. I was kind of fading there down the stretch. I rounded third, and I kind of had a hammy on doing the show next year. But I mean, I'm back. Next year is going to be a great year with the new rules. And before we go to that, you know, we polished off a bottle of Tom Seaver wine, which which was good. And I hope, you know, you're taking your wife out for day. Have you had the bottle of Tom Seaver that I gave you? Uh, she opened it right away, by the way, as soon as she yeah, saw it. Good. So yeah, yeah because that's course, your pay, uh, buddy. <laughs> she she was on she was on one of those trips that we took up to uh to his vineyard. So uh fond, she has fond memories as I do of going there. So that, that did not last long in this house. Well, one of the vineyards that I don't think you nor I have ever visited was the Dick Vermeil vineyards and uh, <laughs> Brian. Because who knew? Who knew? <laughs> Brian Ward, who hosted our eat-in uh, the other day in Milwaukee, after we drank every drop of Seaver and whatever else we could find at the bar, he goes and pulls a bottle of that Nelly left there. So you can tell that's got to be a little bit old. Yeah. That was really good. I was, I was shocked. 2007. Remember that year? 2007. Great. That's, year. I think that's, that's one of the oldest bottles of wine I've ever had. That was right before I had my prostate out. <laughs> you hear everything on the light, on the lighter side of baseball. Oh uh, yeah. It's the end of the year. What can I say? I mean, Let's find a good editor. Yeah, guys are concerned that um, that I was I was sounded disheartened during the course of the year because the Cubs they were telling me to get a new team. I have a hard time rooting for the Brewers just because they're the Cubs sort of rivalry. But um, I'm all pumped for the playoffs and I'm pumped for the new rules coming in. So let's talk. We can't talk Brewers baseball because they're not in the playoffs, but they're. Two teams in each league under the new format, which is good. They get a bye. So in the National League, the bye goes to the uh, the Braves and the Mets, I guess. No, the Braves and uh, the Dodgers. Sorry. Sorry, Kershaw. Kershaw's a free agent, too. Um, so you got the wild card games are um, hosted by the Cardinals, and the other one is hosted by, in the National League, um, who would that be hosted by? The, the Mets. The Mets. And the Mets so are... The Mets, Mets and Padres and Cardinals, Phillies. Seattle looked this up. And on the American League side, Tampa, Cleveland, and then Seattle and Toronto. So, so those are the games that start Friday. What do you think of those? You going to watch them? Uh, I might have them on. However, I'm going to be very busy the next uh, three days. So I honestly will probably pay very little attention. I will uh, throw this dark. out there right now that I'm going on uh, honor flight on Saturday. Oh, wow. And I'm uh, resting up tomorrow uh, because that is a 3 a.m. wake up, 5 a.m. departure. And we don't get back till 10 p.m. It's a day trip. Talk about the Talk about the honor flight. You've done it before, right? Yeah, I did it in 2019, and um, uh, I'm doing it again Saturday. And uh, Tim Dillard and I are guardians for two brothers from Milwaukee who were Marines in uh, Vietnam. And um, 
They're in relatively decent health. So they're going on this trip. They have not been to DC to the memorials. And that's what we do. We tour all the memorials and um, uh, we're taking 231 veterans and uh, it's a big trip. Um, it's a good chance for them to reminisce, uh, maybe see some old buddies um, and go to DC. And most importantly, they get uh, a hero's welcome parade back at the airport when they return. And it's uh, in complete reversal of how they returned to the United States back in the 60s and early 70s when they got back and they were treated very poorly um, just because of the times. And um, so that's that's one of the biggest reasons of honor flight is to to honor these veterans like they've never been honored before, like what like we're used to doing you know, now with, with uh, the current vets and stuff, the younger guys. So these 231 vets come from all over the country and come to No, Mobile. they're just, they're just Wisconsin vets. Okay. And so they're and all on the same flight. So they're going to be, uh, we're going to have three planes. This is the second time we've done this particular trip and it's called honor of champions. So the Packers, the Brewers and the Bucks all sponsor these planes. And, um, they have a plane, each team has a plane full of veterans and guardians. And, um, and so, and we all go at the same time. So we're all there together, touring together. We just travel on three different planes because of the amount of people and stuff. So, um, but they do, this will be the 65th time they've done this since they started, I think in the late 2000s, early two, maybe 210s. Um, and I think they try to do three or four trips each fall. They don't do them in the summer because it, it, it can become too hot for these guys and stuff. So they try to do everything in the fall. So it, it's a really cool thing though. Really and cool. How are these guys selected? If so they know. have to apply, um, or get nominated. And then, um, what they try to do, Jamie is, uh, have a veteran go uh, one time who's never been there um, and the veteran gets to go for free. And then what they what they hope to do is if you want to volunteer to be a guardian, you pay $500 to go. And that covers the cost of the two people, travel, food, buses, all that type of thing. So they don't make any money on it. They, it's a nonprofit and, um, uh, but that covers the cost basically for two people and everything to do this. And so they get, they get selected by basically this honor flight committee, but I mean, it's pretty much if you've never been there before uh, that's, that's a criteria. And if you're physically able to, to handle the day, that's, that's another one. And preferably like if you have a family member that can take you and be your guardian, that that's preferred uh, but there's a lot of guys who's a family member can't do it. Um, so they have a volunteer or they have uh, guys like us, you know, representing and whatnot. And um, oh, that's great. we help pump them up and do interviews and that type of thing, too. So it's a it's a it's a it's a pretty well-rounded. Well, it's a really well-run uh, operation for sure. Do any other people from the Brewers organization uh, go on this trip other than you and Diller? 
There's going to be some front office people. Um, there might be a player or two that they add late since they um, did make the playoffs, but because of the playoff date, there, there weren't any scheduled to go. And the Packers are in London, so there's no, no Packers. Um, and the Bucs are in Dubai playing preseason basketball. So there's no Bucs. But there's reps from, you know, front offices of teams and stuff. But the bottom line is they – They've had they've had players before go. They've had alumni players uh, in the past go and stuff. So that's that's kind of a cool. That's thing. That's really cool. Yeah, uh, I've heard about it. I know that you talked about it after you did the last one. Yeah, and um, I was going to make a comment that the Guardians are playing the same day that the Guardian takes his guy up to Washington D.C. But that correlation seemed to be kind of not that funny. So I I decided. I wouldn't bring it up until I just brought it up. Um, <laughs> well, that's what the guardians are. I mean, yeah, right. I guess I don't, I still don't know what a guardian is. Because apparently Cleveland are, needed to be guarded I, when it was founded. What the hell they guard them? Monongahela river? Uh, uh, yes. Or, or whatever river that is. It isn't it the Cleveland river. <laughs> I, think it's, uh, I don't know. I thought in the major, in the movie major league, they talked about the Monongahela river, but I could be, I could be wrong. Um, touching on what you mentioned for those listeners that are young, as Craig mentioned in the Vietnam era, there was such a, um, tremendous national movement opposing the draft and opposing the war in Vietnam. And as Lyndon Johnson, the president kept making it worse and worse and worse, the general attitude uh, that you see today where everybody from anybody who learns you're in the military, you know, gratuitously thanks you for your service, as opposed to, um, you know, the first liberty we got from Marine Corps boot camp, we went down to Georgetown, which was a mistake, and they got spit on. So, I mean, there's a difference yes. between getting spit on and thanking you for your service. And, um, it's great. Uh, the, these guys, are, you know, I never went further east than Camp Lejeune, so it wasn't exactly like I was a Quang Tree or in the in the uh, Tet Offensive. But uh, be that as it may, these guys all deserve every every bit of respect and honor they can muster uh, from our society. So that's cool. That's great. Yep. And and it's it, so we had um, we met our veterans the other day. We had breakfast with them and. You know, as you know, Jamie, I mean, in, in that era, there's there's guys who saw a lot, did a lot, um, maybe against their will, but did it because they were told to do it and followed orders and, you know, can leave guys emotionally scarred and whatnot. Um, and there's a lot of quiet people, you know, that served uh, right. in, our, in a lot of different uh, eras and, and whatnot. And these guys don't talk a lot. And I think that's the other thing that they they want, you know, to allow them to be around their guys and and hopefully reminisce a little bit, open up and talk. And when we had breakfast with these guys, uh, you know, one of the veterans um, was pretty quiet, you know, and he said, well, uh, I was telling them kind of what to expect when they got to each airport in D.C. and then back in Milwaukee. And and he says, well as long as they don't spit on us again. 
And really just to hear somebody who went through that say that and tell me about that experience, really, I mean, it just shoots everything up your spine. It's like, who could really do that to somebody? And goes, you know, we had to be um, uh, dressed in our military um, suits to travel. Um, And he said, then we got to the airport and people spit on us and um, they f-bombed them they called them baby killers and and all that and then he said the first thing that they they did is they dashed to the bathroom and change and put on civilian clothes so they don't stand out anymore and i said don't worry that's not gonna (laughs) that's not what this is about um the attitude is uh you know and i find it not laughable i guess or not insulting i guess but in in being honest when people uh, somehow learn that you were in the military, they thank you for your service. And, and I, I wanted like, really, what, what does that mean to, uh, why, why are you thanking me now when, um, you know, it, it's just, it seems like one of those things that's cool to do now, but like, I don't know, it, it almost irritates me when people so what me. what's your experience because i i quite honestly don't know about it my experience back in 1969 was similar to what your guys said yeah um, you know i went to uh quantico virginia in 69 and in 70 for officers training and it was always in the summer because everybody was we were in college and that's what how the marine corps picked their officer candidates by the most part were guys in college and then when you graduate you get commissioned and the fourth of july was about the fourth week of our training and we got to go we we got liberty for two days and so really that was my main contact with the public and of course we didn't have any hair wasn't too hard to figure out who was a marine and who was from another branch and um these were wild times i can remember and we were so you know, we got six or eight guys and we you know, each threw in 20 bucks to get a room in some flea bag hotel. And um, the response to from everybody was basically the same, you know, get out of here. We got spit on all the time. We went down, you know, we were, we thought we were pretty hot stuff, you know, so we went down to the Washington Monument on the 4th of July. And uh, for the first time in my life, I got tear gassed by, um, you know, it was just a riot out there with um, cops on horses, tear gassing all the, you know, demonstrators on both sides. You know, you had a few people pro-war, but mostly it was anti-war. Yeah. And, uh, bag, literally bags of marijuana just being thrown everywhere. I mean, if you could catch a pass, you could have a stash of marijuana. And it was absolutely <laughs> crazy. And I'll never forget, you know, People would walk up to you and, and start going, huh, two, three, four. you know, that was just in your face the whole time. It's like, why am I doing this? So the next the next year I I chose to uh, you know, go somewhere else rather than out in public. But yeah. yeah, there was a tremendous hatred of people. And I'm not sure why they hated the the guys who were actually there. And like I said, I was lucky enough to by the time I got out of law school, Vietnam was over with. Uh, although I'll shout out to all the lawyers in the Marine Corps who had to rotate over to Vietnam for six months. Uh, that would have been scary for me. 
but um you know it was i think my impression is it was so bad the conditions were so bad you did things that nobody wants to talk about and it, yeah. they weren't exactly <laughs> they weren't exactly drafting Rhodes scholars into the army or the you know you could also opt for the other branches they were taken um you know they had the lottery but i mean the guys that had a brain unlike me i dodged the draft and joined the marine corps most of the guys would figure out how to get into a national guard unit so you didn't you didn't really have a lot of cerebral activity going and i, I wonder how cerebral you'd be and i'm sure these guys are all smart i'm not saying that it was just there was no choice i mean now looking back you think well who would do that yeah well, d-day look at world war II. who'd get on a friggin little metal target float in the water until you puked and then get off and get ambushed by the japanese that were sitting there waiting for you the germans or whoever the hell i guess it the germans at that point <laughs> anyway yeah no i mean that that's crazy and and you know i didn't i didn't know i didn't know that that uh, story about you, I, I had no idea um, and stuff. So I think that's a good timing because I'm doing this flight. It's going to help me um, cool. just having this out there is good for people to hear about and stuff. So, you know, the other one on this and uh, maybe we'll talk baseball. I got it going about five minutes, but anyway, just kidding. Um, the other, the other one that, that really. Uh, I'm paying also, you for half an hour, dude. <laughs> the the other one 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 of the other brothers um was was older and he said one of the first things he had to do he goes i have been in washington dc once and he said um you know he's another quiet guy he'd talk a little bit and then wouldn't say anything and you're like are, are you trying to tell me a story or or what and so i tried to pry a little bit more out of him and he, he was like now, I've been to I've been to DC once and I'm I'm like when you were uh when you were soldier and he says yep and I'm like okay well one was you know one was that and he goes yeah, when I was uh when I was 19 he stood he said um we we stood out there for seven hours and I go well, where'd you stand out there for seven hours he goes we're all we were waiting for anything to happen outside the White House we were guarding it and I said well, what were you guarding it from? And he goes, well, we didn't know. And I said, well, why were you there? And he goes, well, JFK's funeral. And I'm like, oh, oh. I, I don't know any, that's the first person that I've ever met in my life that had anything directly to do with John F. Kennedy's funeral. Right. I mean, well, the, one of the, the most recognizable things in our country, as far as yeah. you know tv exposure uh, really unbelievable well so. it's interesting because historically in that era when you know the the position was we weren't in laos or cambodia or vietnam we're just advisors and nobody hell nobody knew what an advisor was but all these guys 63 64 65 are just starting to um go into combat roles and in, in more than being a quote advisor and then you start having the uh you know the um 67 68 the tet offensive and uh um me lie comes out and, and you got that thing going on with uh 
then you got Oliver North and I mean, it's a fascinating uh, historical perspective in something similar to the Chicago Cubs, a failure in of, uh, getting your, accomplishing your goal. <laughs> How's that segue into baseball? So on a brighter that, note. That's a good segue. On a brighter note, um, I think that I've got a, I think that the World Series is not going to include the Los Angeles Dodgers. What do you think about that? I think that's interesting, and I, I'm not sure I totally agree with that, but why would you say that? I don't think their pitching is solid enough to get by and defeat the Mets or the Braves. Interesting. I think the I know that's a tough one. I, I what what they end up winning? How many games they end up winning? 115. 111 games. 115. One. 111. They were 111 and 51. Yeah. So why does Uretsky think they're not going to get past the NLCS? I just they they're too good. They're going to lose. It's that kind of year. And I think the uh, Padres fade away. I think the Phillies and the Cardinals are going to be a damn good series because they both have pretty good pitching. I think the Cardinals are going to go to the World Series. God, I hate to say that. See, I, I don't. I don't I think, think they are. Cardinals uh, and Mets. I uh, think Pujols is going to get tested. And uh, Oh, my God. Oh, you don't mean for P PDs. I just said tested. <laughs> No, I'm just he's not going to get tested until the, uh, the day after he officially retires. Um, yeah, that's quite a storyline in itself right there. But um, I I don't see the Cardinals. I don't think the Cardinals uh, pitching staff is, is good enough to shut down. Uh, I like Atlanta's offense. I, I'm a fairly big fan of the Mets offense. But I will say this. One of the reasons I think the Dodgers are going to are going to win the world series is because how how good their offense is they have the offense that you you can only dream about right now they have they have power hitters they have guys that are willing to play small ball they have a really good blend of stuff i mean their run differentials 334 i mean that that is so unheard of it's not even funny that that's almost 300 runs more than the Brewers and the Brewers were 10 games above 500. That's yeah. just insane. And, well, and I think their pitching is decent enough. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of their pitching staff. I like, I like the Brewer pitching staff better, but how can you stop that? How can you stop nine of those guys? I, I don't see it. Well, I think that, um, you know, the, I like the, it's, it's hard to talk positively about the Cardinals, but I like their pitching staff. I mean, even Wainwright is, is your number four guy. Now, I don't know if, if, they'll, if they will parade him out as their number one guy in front of Miklos or whatever, but they got Jordan Montgomery sitting around there, and they've got um, – they just have a good – I think they have a really good pitching staff. The Mets just seem to self-destruct. The Braves ain't going to – do it two years in a row so that's where i go with the cardinals on the national league winning the nlcs and playing the astros yeah i'm <clears throat> i think the astros are going to make it uh out of the american league too i you know <laughs> how about dusty baker man and he, well there's 
three guys that I can't believe aren't in the Hall of Fame. Dusty's one of them. Yeah. The other two, how in the God's name between the writers and the veterans is Roger Maris not in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Please. Yeah. Show me how many guys in the Hall of Fame are back-to-back MVPs while they're playing with Mickey Mantle. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a good one. That that's, that's The other one, you know, came up with this great idea for a surgery. Tommy John. How do you, yeah. how's he not in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Now he pitched for like 56 years. <laughs> but he won 188 games or 288 games, rather. This guy's yeah. great. Have yeah. you seen, I just started watching the uh, Facing Nolan on Netflix. The, oh. the uh, documentary about Nolan Ryan. I got to watch. No, I haven't seen that at all, actually. It's, it's pretty well done so far. I haven't watched it all. But um, that's good. Um, I hope you're not watching Dahmer. No, you know, we were up in, you know, <laughs> we were in Wisconsin and our friend, watched, she watched every, I'm going, you got to be insane. I'd yeah, I watched, watch. First of all, we know the story up here. Second of all, Second of all, and I don't I don't even know why I brought this up, but second of all, I saw the trailer and it is absolutely creepy. And when you know it's I have a hard time watching stuff that that really happened like that. And then yeah. they, they make it wasn't into the guy that leaned over in Atlanta. Wasn't his name Dahmer or something like that? It wasn't the guy that ate people, but it was a guy that I thought his name was Dahmer. But well, it could be. I mean, it's not an uncommon name. I guess but... not. It's just a name nobody wants. I'd, personally, I'd rather eat um, cheese curds. <laughs> but hey, <laughs> to each their own. Um, I think the playoffs will be okay. I'm not. Sure. God, if it just would speed it up. And then speaking of that, the new rules next year. I like them. I've read a little bit more. So on the two pitch to first base, I think that's the funniest thing. But I did read that if the pitcher throws the third time to first base and he picks a guy off, the guy's out. So that will prevent, you know, you through two and him going, nah, 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 and he takes a 30 foot lead and figures he can outrace you to second base. So they can pick him off. But if he throws the first base for the third time and doesn't pick him off, the guy gets to go to second. Oh, I didn't even know that that's automatic. Yeah. So if you do, if you toss the third time and don't get him, he gets second base. Second base. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I like that. And it's a shorter trip because the bases are bigger. So he doesn't have to run as far. <laughs> right. And the pitch <laughs> clock, I still don't know what noise will happen to alert the fans that, that the pitch clock is going off. But the pitcher has 15 seconds with nobody on base. And he has to have initiated his windup by the 16th second. Now, they don't catch it in time. The guy throws a home run and they're, I'm sorry, no home run. I don't know. Is it going to be like timeout? It's going to be like the uh, buzzer in the NBA. Don't get the shot off, doesn't count. No, and, and I don't know 100% how this is going to work because I didn't see what they did in the minor leagues, but. Um... I, I had understood it that the pitcher gets 18 seconds between pitches and the batter gets 
I think 14 seconds to be ready. And I don't know how they pull they, all that off, they but sped it, they sped it up in the, to 15 and eight for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't I don't know either. It's uh, we'll, we'll have to see how this plays out in uh spring training, but, but I will say this um, kind of twofold because it, it, anything can work in the minor leagues. Let's face it. These guys are doing whatever it takes to, to have a major league career. So they're willing to do anything. Now, how do you implement it to guys uh, who have been in, in on the major league level and didn't experience any of it in the minor leagues? Um, you know, guys that are 30 years old who have played five to eight years in the majors already, if not longer, um, how are, you know, how are they going to adjust to this? I think that's going to be part of it. And I think that's, what's going to be all about spring training. They're going to need 30 games of spring training to get used to this, to be honest with you. I really do think so. And I think these guys are going to, they're going to, they're going to figure it out. They're going to have to, or else they're they're going to have to, especially if, if, if everything is, uh, if these rules are indeed implemented for sure. Well, on the the Milwaukee Brewers slow play to the Cubs, it's been historically going on, is gone. They can't sit there and look at the batter for 30 seconds while he has to be in the batter's box flexing his, you know, getting tired while the pitcher's just sitting there going, eh, give me another. they don't even get a signal for 30 seconds in some of these guys. Yeah. So I'm glad about that because that used to piss me off. And I think that, if there's a really loud noise, the pitchers will become like, I don't want to hear that noise again. You know, if they have like a buzzer, like the NBA, I don't know. See, I don't think, gonna... I don't think they will. I think, I think everything's going to be up to the home plate umpire. I mean, first of all, I mean, they, already the they already have a clock, you know, in the outfield as it is. So he's the only one who sees it. The base umpires can't. Yeah. Ain't gonna be. Uh, hey, they can't even hear. They can't even hear their little devices yeah. uh, out on the mound. I mean, hilarious. It it is hilarious because when they when they first thought of this idea, and they said, "Well, let's let's uh, let's use the um, the headset in the in the uh, pitcher's hat, and he'll just hear a voice command." Well, that works in spring training when there's two thousand people there and nobody's cheering. And then you get to opening day and everyone's cheering and there's 40,000 people in all these ballparks and these guys can't hear the signal. Or when it's cold at Wrigley and the uh, the guy on second can hear the headphone from the shortstop. <laughs> exactly. Curveball! Exactly. No, I mean, um, no, I mean it, it, actually it worked. Better than I thought it would. I mean, the catcher sits down there, covers his his deal. What if the catcher hits the wrong button? Does he? Uh, I don't know. The I guess the pitcher throws the pitch or shakes him off. It, it so was crazy. I'm going to predict that that will not be in play next year. Really? And and here's why I say it. And I don't I don't know oh. Jack Squat. Wow, but, that's big. But in a lot of our games. Whoever wore that, whoever pitcher, didn't matter if it was home or away, seemed like half the time they were trying to adjust it, half the time, you know, and guess what? It's made to speed, help speed up the game a bit, apply communication, better direct communication. Well, guess what? It didn't. It really 
didn't yeah. do any of that. Wow. And and a lot of pitchers and catchers went back to the hand signals anyway, especially when it, it got louder later in games, relief pitchers didn't use it. Okay. They're like, it's too damn loud in here. Why and should I even bother? There were three teams that didn't use it at all, I think. But Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the runner at second base in extra innings? Is that gone? No. Yeah. No. No way. You know, I think they had to do that in the seventh inning. Why wait till the ninth? Let's get this thing moving. Well, you know, I mean, if it's tied, why not? Or the tenth inning, they put a guy on second. The eleventh inning, they put a guy on second and third. The twelfth inning, they load the bases. I, that, I'd be for that. That'd be fine too. Yeah, you're awfully. I really don't. I really don't have any problem with it. And and I'll I'll say this. I think that, you know, double headers should be seven innings. I don't care what anybody says. I agree. And, and they should be played back to back. This, this, you know, noon seven o'clock thing is terrible. Single play, single pay, pay for two games like the old days. Yeah. Da, 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 da. The, um, so you worked basically 162 days, even though you had some days off. The season ended yesterday. Are you excited for next year or are you like, I need a couple of weeks to decompress? No, I, I'm excited for next year for sure. I, I never, I've never um, needed any, I, I enjoy having the time off because I do enjoy fall, um, but I don't need time away from the, away from the game for anything. I, I'm excited uh for for next season because here's the thing about it there's uh when it seems like when baseball makes player changes and now we've got some new rules to add in and stuff that to me is exciting especially if you know i i know you might feel a little bit differently because we don't know what the cubs timeline is you know to return to being competitive it's going to if it's going to be next year or the year after whatever whatever they're trying to do but I know this, uh, the Brewers are will do whatever they possibly can in their small market revenue stream to be a better team. So, quote, 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 unquote. You know, at the sometime during the offseason last year, it was rumored that the um, Brewers general manager was not, they, the Brewers wouldn't let him talk to the Mets, but that when his contract ended, he would probably end up going over to the Mets. Well, the Mets seem to solidify their front office, uh, starting with Buck Showalter and then off the field guys. What's the take? Is your guy going to be back? Did they re-up him or have you heard? No, I haven't heard definitively yet. Um, I, I don't think he's in a position. You're talking about David Stearns. I don't think yeah. he's um, in a long-term, you know, non-competitive position anymore. I think they our owner just held true to his contract and didn't allow anybody to talk to him and told him he couldn't leave because he was under contract that I think, I think that could possibly change going, you know, during this off season, we have a, so he's the president of baseball operations and the next guy in line is Matt Arnold. And he is technically um, the general manager, right? Um, and he has also been somebody that's, uh, been sought after by several other clubs and they may be in a position now where they 
let David Stearns go to wherever he wants to. He's from New York, so it's a natural fit for the Mets. Right. Um, and and make sure that they're able to keep you know Matt Arnold and then work with him um, and stuff. So that's kind of how I would not be surprised seeing the Brewers go. Speaking of uh, general managers, and I was kind of curious who, you know, the the president of baseball operations generally now is calling the shots, although with the White Sox, Rick Hahn seems to be in control over Kenny Williams. But with, do you remember a player that played for seven or eight years, may have even played in Milwaukee, played for the Cubs for a while, a guy named Sam Fold, F-U-L-D. Yeah, little yeah, guy. yeah. You know, I... So I'm looking through the general managers and the president of baseball operations today, getting ready for our podcast. And Sam Fold is the general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. Did He's not know that. Second in command of Dave Dombrowski, who came in and mid-season fired Giardi. And uh, yeah, so Sam Fold's like went to Stanford. I guess he's one of these high-tech guys, but he was an exciting guy with little or no talent. And I say that it's all relative. I mean, he was a hustler, made some great plays with the Cubs, stole some bases and everything. But yeah. um, now he's a GM of the Phillies. They're in the playoffs. And I think the Phillies, I just said the Cardinals are going to the World Series, but I think the Phillies, that's going to be a good series. I'm going to watch that. And I don't know if I, I don't I like I think they're pretty team. evenly matched. I don't like either sure. team. I don't like huh? I I like the Cardinals only because they went. They let Molina, Pujols, and they went after Goldschmidt and Arenado. I mean, how can you not love your your guy while the Cubs are letting everybody go? Um, interesting. I think I think the Cardinals will be. I don't. I just don't think they're going to go to the World Series, but they they very well could get yeah. to the to the league championship for sure. I mean, look, I I I admired what they did at the trade deadline i've always admired their their uh draft and develop pitchers and position players i admired uh the moves they made at the trade deadline um and how can you not appreciate that that all pays off and they they end up being the three seed when they for a time they were barely a wild card competitor so well I, they won close to 100 games. I don't think they went over the 100, but they... No, they didn't, but yeah. What did... I didn't follow much. I saw Hader got a save. Did Hader get his act back together after a rocky time yeah. at the Padres? Yeah, he did. And um, I followed him a little bit. I haven't followed him as closely over the last several weeks, but um, um, I did watch one game when they were on late and I got back after a Brewer game and... By default, in the bullpen, he had to be the closer that night. And it was basically, you know, this is yours. You grab this and you're you're good to go. And he did. And so, and that, that didn't surprise me. I mean, a lot of people up here are like, well, he sucked before the trade. And so that's why they traded him. And I'm like, every pitcher sucks at some point during the season and the great ones rebound from it every single year he went through that every single year every pitcher goes through that every single year every position player has a hard time hitting but the great ones figure it out 
Well, and he figured it out. That's true with closers, I think, more than anything. There are very few closers that go from opening day to the end of the year without a blimp. And very few that do that year to year to year. I mean, you name them. Kimbrell was on forever. Uh, this Lime Hendricks with the White Sox had a few big time blowups. Uh, Kenley Jansen. Uh, all these guys from time to time, they just can't keep it up. There's nothing with Hader that, you know, the, the, the tools in his toolbox are so good that, I mean, he ain't going to be down for very long. Right. And Is he's pretty damn competitive that? and pretty damn smart. So who, who from that trade coming the other way from the Padres, who are all the guys that the Brewers got that are uh, going to figure in the, uh, uh, next year or even at the end of this year how did they all do is that supposed to be funny <laughs> yeah i kind of know the answer is that supposed to be funny <laughs> that's funny <laughs> i mean they get nothing for the guy they didn't they didn't get anything to help them uh as it turned out for this particular final two months of the regular season and the two guys the two minor league guys it's is absolute who knows at this point and they're yeah, supposed okay, to be good they got, they got, but i don't know if they'll contribute in 2023 24 25 so they got, they got a couple dfas which was great within talk about not putting on a uniform they got designated for assignment within a they well the 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 one relief pitcher uh lamette i think his name was um and he ends up you know the uh, getting DFA never put on a uniform that surprised everybody. And then, um, Taylor Rogers, um, I don't think he understood his role in the bullpen. And I think because of that, he, he did have a couple of saves. Um, but he also gave up a ton of home runs. So I think Boxberger did a pretty good job. Suter's kind of weird dude, but you know him, I don't, but and I'm not going to ask you, he's a good pitcher. He's very, He's, he's just, a good guy. I mean, he he's uh, definitely a role player in the bullpen and and stuff and and does, you know, a pretty good job when called upon for sure. He's been around for a long time. I thought the biggest and and we'll close with this, the biggest development in the Brewers bullpen over the course of this past season was uh, Devin Williams finally cutting his hair. That was big. That was good. And apparently it was contagious because then Aaron Rodgers did something with his head. See? I don't know if you saw Aaron. Oh, yeah. I mean, he cut everything off but a couple little lops of hair on each yes. side. Yeah. Um, if the center can't find his butt, I guess he grabs onto his – I mean – It's the same hairstyle you used to wear, Jamie. Yeah, before I got it all cut <laughs> off. Yeah. Now I wish I could, you know. It's Shave it in the back, leave it long in the front, like – that would that would cover up a lot of mistakes right now. When's your first Bucks assignment? I'm doing their preseason show on Monday. Wow! So you have to actually work. Yes, but they don't start till the third week of October for real. So you split assignments, or do you get the whole deal this year? No split. I don't want to be overworked. <laughs> All right. Hey, is Vinny coming back or do you know? And I don't want you to break news to. No, I mean, everybody should be back next year. Hopefully. I, I think the biggest question is if they allow me to come back, to be honest with you. So, 
Well, I think that uh, it would be a tremendous mistake not to bring back Vinny. <laughs> oh, and you. <laughs> and you. If, you know, but if you keep ripping up Dillard's prep, man. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I got to hey. make him ad lib every once in a while. Plus, I heard Eagle River's back in the advertising. Are you guys coming up for golf? No. No? I was going to join you. Have, well, I thought you were done up there. No, well, we're gone now, but I mean, next year's a new year. Well, I'll yeah. I'll put that in the uh, in the idea tank. Sure as right as rain up there, sure as the lake's gonna freeze over, we'll oh, be yeah. back. Nice. Yeah, we got it all closed up. I hurt my back just in time for Kay to do every bit of work on wrapping up the cottages. So that works. That's out. how the season goes. Yeah, every year's that way. Perfect timing. All right, man. You got anything else, or are you gonna go out to take your wife on a date? Well, I think I'm going to take her out for uh, some cocktails and uh, catch up a little bit for sure. All right. Best of luck for the Bucks. And we won't do another podcast until next week. So freshen up. Oh, great. Thanks for the warning. <laughs> okay. I'll send a bottle of uh, oh, what's a really rat gut wine? Two buck chuck up there for you. <laughs> All right. We're going to go. Be good. Be good.